Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And if you're in the market for a new backpack, Tortuga has some great options for you. If you want to travel light, you can pick up their regular Tortuga backpack. And if you want to travel ultralight, like today's guest, they have a Tortuga Air backpack for you as well, which I've used to go through four different countries. So it is possible to travel ultralight and efficiently with your Tortuga Air backpack. So check those out over at tortugabackpacks.com. Of course, don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That will get you 10% off any of your orders. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 163, Australia's Dingo Fence, at a length of 3,488 miles, is the longest fence in the world and twice as long as the Great Wall of China. Everything's bigger in Australia. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me is an extraordinarily pretentious English major who loves to wander, his words, not mine, and who would rather see the Taj Mahal than own a full set of silverware, Aton of SnarkyNomad.com. Aton, thanks so much for joining me today, and welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Happy to be here. And usually, I have a little bit of a hard time writing the intro of people, but all I had to do with yours, because it was so well written, was just take the about page and stick it in there. Yeah, I like not taking things very seriously, so that was fun to write. And what's really cool about this interview is I'm always asking you guys, the listeners, to suggest guests, and David Gordon told me I should get on The Snarky Nomad on the show, and lo and behold, I had been reading your stuff, Aton, for quite a while, because anytime I googled travel gear questions, like you know, what are the best shoes or pants or underwear for traveling, your stuff always came up. So David Gordon, thanks for the suggestion, and great minds think alike. Aton, big congrats on dominating that niche in Google. Yeah, I, I've been doing this for quite a while, so I have a lot to say about gear. I feel like whenever I go into these stores, I, I kind of know what's going on before I even show up. So people ask, like, oh, can I help you? And now I, I know exactly what I'm looking for. I know exactly what percentage of material everything is made of. I know the names of every product. It's really kind of obsessive. But I, I got into that because of how horrible it was on certain trips, really, really below freezing winters, really burning hot summers. So that's, I said, never again. I'm never traveling with something that doesn't work right. So from then on, everything has to work right. And so you guys, the listeners, you'll also know all that stuff by the end of this episode. We're, we're going to be chatting about gear a ton on this episode. But first, I kind of wanted to just dive in a little bit to your travel background, Aton. Were you always a traveler growing up or was there some sort of kind of aha moment that you thought, all right, now I'm going to start traveling more? Uh, my family cared a lot more about travel than I did when I was younger. When I was a kid, it wasn't really that big a deal. But I, I got older, and I was always really interested in world history, world politics, just things going on in the world. 
sociology issues, things like that. And it's just travel is, it's not the only way. Travelers will tell you that all the time. It's not the only way to learn everything there is to know about the world, but it's, it's one of the ways and you can gain perspective that you wouldn't otherwise get. So I, I really like just knowing what's going on in the world, getting out there, meeting people from different countries, seeing how different cultures work. And it's, it's really true. It's a cliche, but it's true. It kind of opens up your horizons and you learn just little tiny things. And you learn that the way that your country does something is not necessarily the only way. People say that's the way things are, but it's not really the only way things could be. It just happens to be that way here, happens to be that way in a certain period of history and just things work differently different places and you start thinking about that more and more. Was there a time then that you can point to where it switched from like, hey, my parents are, and family is not dragging me on these trips, but it's their idea to go on these trips and it's okay and this and that, to now, I mean, now that you're older, it's your decision to go traveling. Was there anything that really sparked that? Yeah, there was a moment where that became true. I don't know if it was just because I was getting older or whatever it was, but I did a student exchange trip in high school to Vietnam, and it happened to be at the same time we were studying the Vietnam War, and it was it's one of those very interesting periods of history where there's really crazy things going on. Half the country hates the other half of the country, which is like it is in the United States now, and it's just it's a it was you know it's a really big turning point in American history, and studying it was very interesting. And then all of a sudden, the student exchange program came along. So that was sort of a really perfect combination where I'm really interested in that particular country, really interested in the history. And then we got to see war memorials. We got to see all the important places uh, on the on the trip. And it, that was just a really good, interesting, worthwhile experience. That happened to be the one that was the first trip that I actually enjoyed. It was around 16 or 17. Wow. And now, nowadays, what is your travel schedule? Are you constantly on the road? Do you have a home base? It has been irregular for so long because it, it's kind of annoying to me. I don't travel as much as people think I do, but I want to do that a little bit more. So I, I had real jobs. I was here for a while, and just I'm on an academic schedule because I work as a private tutor during the school year. So I'm trying to make it so I can travel like three, four months out of the year or something like that. I think that would be ideal because I kind of like to go and come back, go and come back. There's a little bit of a grass is greener kind of thing where people think that permanent travel is the best thing ever. You're traveling, you're seeing the world, but all those travels will tell you eventually you get a little tired. You don't know anyone, you don't have any friends, you don't have any contacts or anything like that. And you're sort of just drifting around. There's pros and cons to it, obviously. But I, you know, for me, I think just three, four months out of the year sounds like a really great, really luxurious kind of good time. Yeah, I can attest to that. We've been traveling, Heather and I, pretty much nonstop for the last two years. Now, it's it's a little different. We're not completely nomadic in that, you know, we don't come home. I know some travelers, have, you know, they haven't been to their home country in three years or their home town in three years, things like that. We We come home back to Philadelphia a fair amount. Now, we don't have a home base there at the moment because it's rented out because we've been traveling so much. But I I get what you're saying. You have this idea of, wouldn't that be so cool if I could just take off and travel the world forever? And then, you know, there's times where we say, hey, we just want to be back in America or or even we just want to be back in Philadelphia around our friends and family. And so it is that balancing act between something new, but then not having the comforts of home. Yeah. You just, you really have to make the choice because it's, there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. It's just a matter of some people want to go a month per year, and that's great. Some people want to go for 12 straight months, and then they're kind of done because they had that experience. And just for the most part, especially with Americans, I think more travel is better because we have such a tight vacation schedule for most people. 
every American should travel more because if they're only traveling two weeks out of the year and sometimes they're not traveling at all, it's just there's a whole world out there worth seeing and it needs to be more. But those people who get obsessed with travel and go for three or four straight years, you, you need to balance the uh, the burnout because there is some burnout because once you go sightseeing a lot, like what's the point of going to do more sightseeing? It's the same thing every day. You see one more museum, you see one more church, and you just need to do something different every once in a while. Yeah, the burnout, that's a great word because we actually recorded a podcast at, at least a couple months now on travel burnout. And, you know, we didn't want to do a woe is us, you know, play the little violin thing. But it was it was three of us, it was me, Heather, and my buddy Jason, and we were all sitting there and we were just talking about the different times where we have been burnt out. And I think it is something that if you've never gotten to that point, I mean, good for you, but if you've never gotten there, you don't really understand it. How can there be travel burnout? But it's every day, right? You're making a decision about every little thing you do. You're never on autopilot. Everything's new. Sometimes it's hard. Yes, the rewards are, are great, but at a point you start to think hey, I just want some time to really like mellow out and not have to worry or constantly stress about what I'm going to be eating for lunch and why I can't talk to the guy down the road and things like that. Yeah, and it kind of leads to this weird guilt where you're traveling and you just you get a little tired of the same you know, sightseeing and you can't really communicate with anyone. And that's you can handle that for a while, but eventually you just you want it to be a little easier. You don't want to have to deal with these things all the time and just you feel bad being in France or whatever it is. And just saying, I just want to watch a, a dumb movie or I just want to read a book and not talk to anyone or I want to go on Facebook. And it's just – but you kind of need that sometimes. I mean that's that's enjoyable thing to do. And it's – even if you're in France and the Eiffel Tower is right there, maybe you just want to watch a, a, a movie for the 12th time. But you know, you don't want to do that all the time. Just once in a while you need a day to just do nothing. It's, it makes it a lot better. We have experienced that a, a few times. And I know that I'm starting to get burnt out when I start to say like – things like, oh, whatever. It's just another temple. I've seen it before. you know. And, and, and you can sometimes, even when you're on the road, what we found is if you take a day or two to do something like that, to just sit in and read or watch a movie or hang out, it's not always that we've had to come home to get rid of the burnout. Sometimes it's even half a day. You're like, I just want to do something that I want to do, a normal thing that I would do at home. And there is nothing wrong with that. And it took me a while to realize that because I was like you were saying, I was worried like let's go 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 we're here when are we going to be here again let's see everything let's do everything but you yeah you run yourself ragged and it took me a little while to figure out that it's okay like stay in for a day don't do anything you know just chill out and sometimes that's even enough for me to kind of reset my wanderlust again yeah that helps a lot because a lot of people sort of view travel as uh you're vacationing by the pool and that's obviously what a lot of people do but other people you know, the first time that I went backpacking, like officially backpacking, I was in Italy and it just, I was obsessed. Like I have to see everything. I'm only going to be here one time. I might never be here literally ever again. And it was below freezing the whole time. It was just disaster plagued every single day. Something went wrong and I didn't have the right gear. That's the, one of the reasons I got obsessed with gear is just below freezing. I just did not have winter clothing. that was good enough. Just everything went wrong all the time. But I kept telling myself, this is the only chance you're going to get. It's raining, but there's the Coliseum right there. You have to go see it. So I went to see the Coliseum in the rain, just got completely soaked. And just you kind of have to do that if you only have one option. But then, you know, if you're walking around in the rain, it's below freezing every day. You know, you're not really... It, it took a while for the pain to go away for me to look at it in retrospect. Like, yeah, that was a good time. I did see the Coliseum and I forget how cold it was all day. So 
yeah, it's you need some time to just kind of relax because if you're, especially if you're only traveling a little bit, you get really, really, really obsessed with seeing everything. You get excited about it, and just you know, after like you know a month or two months, you just take a break, read a book, hang out on the beach for a day, things like that. It helps a lot. Yeah, and one of the things that we've learned is, and maybe you've learned this too. And luckily, we have you know we can travel when we want, and that's kind of the purpose of the lifestyle we set up, and we we built this business so that we could do that and work anywhere. But the slower we travel as well, then it doesn't matter when you take those days off. When you say, hey, I have to do work, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit in here and do work all day, or I just want to chill out for a day. You know, if the Coliseum is going to be outside of my window or, you know, down the road for a month, it gives you the ability to, to do that. And so what we've started to do is try to do, hey, let's at least do two weeks. And there's people out there who travel a lot slower than that. But there's people who, like us, we're doing like two days in a city, three days in the city. So the slower we've traveled, the more we could dig into the culture, which was a positive, but also the more we could not have to worry about seeing everything if it was raining and we could wait for the next day when it was nice. Yeah, it, it really changes things when you can slow things down. It's uh, it, it's great when you can do that. Certain people have schedules that are really hectic just because that's the only amount of time they get. And especially for people who get maybe two weeks off per year, they want to pack as much in as they can. And I think if you're doing that for just a two-week burst, that actually works pretty well. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. You see new things all the time. And then two weeks later, you go home and you have all these stories to share. That works. But if, you know, if it's like a six month kind of thing, you know, you just need to do something different, have regular life kind of days. And um, especially like sightseeing, if you're sightseeing and you're seeing a lot, you're walking around all day, sometimes for 12 hours per day. And people kind of don't quite really like 12 hours per day of walking around on concrete. Your legs are going to really, really hurt by the end of that. So even, even just something like that, just people say like, oh, you're getting tired of traveling. Yeah, I've been sightseeing for 12 hours. Of course I'm tired. Like it's basically like a long walk marathon or something. Right. And so for you with your three or four month plan, is is your ideal to go for three months at a time or is it to take like three months on at home, a month off traveling, three months and then a month traveling? Uh, I, I'm not really sure because I the last trip I did was one month, which was just about right. I just wanted a short trip. I wanted to save. I went somewhere cheap. That was Guatemala. It was about a year ago. I went to Guatemala and I just wanted a short trip that would be a short flight. Flight's cheap. Trip is cheap. Things like that, um, but I, you know, I'd be happy to do something like two or three months. But I, I'm still kind of like biting off smaller chunks here and there, just to just to make everything psychologically easier. And what is it about travel? And this is a hard question, but what is it about travel that keeps you doing it over and over and over again? Because you do get those people who say, and and maybe you get them, I get them all the time. Why well, aren't you done traveling? Like, when are you going to be done traveling? I think. I don't even really know what that means, but um, like I can be done one trip, but not done traveling as a whole. I, I think, I mean, if you would never ask someone, like, are you done watching football? Like, why are you doing it again? Is it different this time than last time? Like, he threw the ball really far. Like, how many times have you seen that happen before? Are you done now? Like, you've watched 400 games. Nobody asked that question because there's something worthwhile about it every time. And especially with travel, if you're going to if you're going to France over and over again, maybe it makes sense to say, are you done with France? It's still kind of silly. But if you're going to different places every time, you're just learning new things about culture all the time. It's like reading books for your whole life. Nobody says, like, are you done reading? It's like, no, there are more books out there. A lot of them are amazingly good. Well, there's still Thailand. There's still Tibet. There's still South Africa. Like, there's just, just more stuff out there. What kind of keeps me going in a weird way is the really weird cultural, unusual things like um, – 
just these random weird things. Like I met an Australian guy and he said, do you guys really drink beer? Like if they show in the movies that those little red plastic cups. And I said, yeah. And he goes, why do you do that? Well, I, you have to put the beer somewhere and then you drink it. You can't just, you need a cup of some kind. And he goes, we just buy the beer at the store. It comes in a can or it comes in a bottle. And I go, oh, you don't have teenagers who have keg parties. That's, that's the reason why that's happening. And it's just, you know, it's this little weird random moments where it's just, you have to do things differently over there. You have different different laws and whatever. And there was another example. This British guy went to Australia. The British guy ordered a pint, and everybody said, "Oh, that's a lot of beer. How can you do that?" And he goes, "What are you talking about? This this is normal. Everybody does this." And they they started talking for a bit. And the only reason they do that is just Australia. It's burning hot all the time. So if you order a pint, it's going to be warm by the time you get to the end. So you order a little drink, and then another little drink, another little drink. And again, I don't know every Australian's drinking habits, but that's. That's what I heard from his experience is that they get little cold ones quickly and then they can go through them. They're still cold. It's just little moments like that that I just find amusing. Those are obviously the more mundane examples. There are more important ones, but I, you know, those are, those are the fun ones. Well, and it's also something that you would never expect. Like You would never say, I'm going to travel so that I can explain why we have red Solo cups to an Australian. Like You think, I'm going to travel to Australia because I'm going to see the Great Barrier Reef. I'm going to hang out in Sydney Harbor, this and that. It's awesome. I mean, people do it because they're cool to see and, and cool experiences. But it is those little things that stick with you where you just... You never know what's going to happen. It won't happen to anyone else, or at least it's not like every tourist is having that experience, but yet you remember it years and years and years later. Yeah, because it's just so weird. I mean, everybody has already seen the Eiffel Tower in a postcard, and it is still different when you go there and you look at it, but it's it's most long-term travelers will tell you it's a personal experiences that are the, the more interesting ones. You know, you can look at the calls. Like, you know, I went to visit the Coliseum in the rain, and that was a good time. But, it, you know, it's other little things here and there, more personal stuff that's more memorable and more valuable over the long term. Definitely. And I actually visited the Coliseum in the rain as well. So, man, we got to go back sometime and have some nice weather. I, it was it was sunny the very next day. It was this perfect, beautiful day. I'm like, well, I already saw it. I guess I'll just, and I had to go see something indoors. That was what was going. That was terrible. Every every day, something horribly wrong went went wrong like that. And that was your first trip, you said. Yeah, it was terrible. But it was, in retrospect, it was a good time. And it actually, this is weird because a lot of long-term travelers, like the weird negative stories are actually kind of the fun ones. So like on the couple trips after that, I just sat around like nothing's going wrong. Like everything is working out. Like the schedule, the bus schedule, train schedule, everything's fine. The tourist places are open at the hours that are listed and because it was Italy's fault most of the time, that's why things went wrong. Whereas in other countries, it doesn't happen that way. So but you almost kind of miss that because it's just those are where the good stories come from. It's just funnier that way. I can agree 100%. It's, it's interesting for Heather and I now we're at the point where we've spent so much time internationally that when we travel in the U.S., like we just got into Austin a little while ago and we were in Boulder and Nashville, it's so easy. And that's one of the reasons we did it was because we were getting a little burnt out on the different cultures and, and you know trying to acclimate in those areas. So we're like, all right, well, let's travel around the U.S. So it's going to be a little easier. You know, we haven't had anything, knock on wood, go wrong and everything's been pretty easy. So it's been nice, but you do kind of miss those weird, goofy things that you 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 won't know are going to happen, but they just happen to you. And I think that's what keeps me coming back on traveling is the the good things that happen, and also the quote unquote bad things that aren't really bad; they're just more, you know, mistakes or mishaps. Yeah, and and it also gives you good perspective for what 
something going wrong actually is because missing your train is not something going wrong. That's just a minor inconvenience. Maybe you don't see one extra site or whatever it is. And just because uh, there are people who just, you know, if you don't go traveling or the only traveling you do is just vacationing, you're not going to run into all those problems. So there are people who just get very used to a level of luxury or convenience. And just as, as soon as some tiny little thing goes wrong, they, they just freak out and just, as, again, it's not necessarily traveling that is the answer, but it, I, I think solo travel is a way to get there to give you a perspective of, of what it means for, no, 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 this is just a minor inconvenience. This is not a serious problem. Right. I, I agree. And then, all right, so we're going to start talking about gear here. But before we even get into like the travel gear, which is going to be the main part of this, because I have so many questions and you have so many answers, I want to talk a little bit about T-Mobile because here's a question I get asked all the time. And I've recently switched over to T-Mobile and it's been awesome. But people always ask me, how can I use my cell phone abroad? And you know, we can tell them before it was like, hey, you have to unlock it, get a SIM card, put the SIM card in. But if you're only in country for three days, probably not worth it. Or you can pay crazy amounts to have an international plan through Verizon or what have you. Give people... And, and you wrote an article about why T-Mobile is the absolute best for international travelers. I don't know if you still think that. Maybe there's something better that I don't know about. But I just switched to T-Mobile and I absolutely love it. Okay. So... Uh Sprint has just copied this idea, by the way. So it's not necessarily just T-Mobile. It's now, I, I have not looked at the exact plan, but the way it works with T-Mobile is you just go to another country, you turn on your phone, it will connect to whatever service is there, and you can just use your phone as a completely normal, any day kind of connection. It just, everything works fine. Phone calls, I think, are 20 cents a minute, and then everything else is free. So data is free. It's very slow, but it's free. Text messaging is free, so you know I never use voice calls on my phone anyway. And it's sort of a perfect combination of the internet being incredibly slow, but you can still use it. So the only thing you do with it is you get somewhere at like 4 o'clock in the morning, you have no idea what's going on, you don't have a map, you open up your phone, you open up Google Maps or whatever maps you use, and you just instantly know where you are. You know which direction north is, and you know exactly where to go to get where you're going. It's this amazing thing that saves you four hours of wandering around or paying a taxi guy to take you somewhere. And it's just, and people are sort of shocked by this. Like, how can they possibly do that? Well, they just have a deal with all those carriers in every country. And they say, hey, can you just do this? And then they get more customers out. Every single other person could do this. They're just lazy or they're selfish and they don't care. They make money when, when people have overage charges internationally. And just as soon as one person starts doing it, like T-Mobile, everybody else is going to start copying them. So Sprint has already copied them. And I don't know what the details are on that. It might be a little different. But once those two people do it and millions of people switch over to them, then everybody else is going to have to do it too. Uh, one of the limits is that you're only supposed to do it maybe one month per year, at least currently with T-Mobile. So it's perfect for people going on vacation once a year for a couple weeks or a month. And I think if you just don't use it that much, you don't go through data, you could probably use it like, I don't know, maybe two or three months. You just try not to do it much. Try to get on Wi-Fi when you can. Use the data when you don't have Wi-Fi around you. It's just everybody should do it this way. Just finally somebody actually did. But there's one other thing, and I can't remember the uh, name of it. It was, a, it was a crowdfunded project, and it failed, which really pissed me off. It was actually a phone case you just put onto a phone, and it allows you to use your phone anywhere in the world for $2 per day, and that's all. And this is like year-round permanently, and I, I can't remember what it's called. It had some sort of weird name that didn't sound like a phone, but if you just – Try to look it up. It doesn't exist, and maybe eventually will. But it was just a case. The case had some sort of uh, like a digital SIM card that basically acts like a SIM card, connects to whatever's around there. 
So I, I hope that that eventually becomes a thing because it's just insane that we haven't got that yet. That's incredible. And I have never heard of that. But it is, it's interesting now with T-Mobile, like you mentioned, they have this, it's $50 a month. And you know, if you're listening this way in the future, things might have changed. But as of right now, $50 a month. And what's cool is, and, and interesting in their contract, it says you can't predominantly use this internationally, right? I guess they don't want people coming to America, getting it, and then living somewhere else. So, but it's a gray area. And I'd always ask the T-Mobile people, well, I'm traveling a lot. We travel quite a bit. What does predominantly mean? And no one can give an answer as to like X amount of minutes, X amount of days, what have you. So a friend of mine, Tiffany, said she'd be a guinea pig for it. And she's been traveling around the world for 10 months now, I think, nine or 10 months with this T-Mobile plan, have not been home at all. Now they switch countries, you know, it's like, hey, we're in New Zealand for a month, we're here. And maybe that's why it's been okay, but she's never gotten cut off. And uh, Heather and I have not gotten cut off in the four months that we've used it. And we were international for three and a half of those. So who knows, right? <laughs> and even if T-Mobile says like, hey, you're, you're using this a little too much, like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go to Sprint for a while and just say that and see what happens. And then maybe they just say, okay, fine, you can, you can stick around. It's yeah. It's it just everybody should do it this way. It's insane that they don't do it this way. Every every article I've ever seen, like how to use your phone abroad, and it's this ridiculously complicated thing. You have to get a SIM card for every country, but maybe these two countries didn't get a single SIM card. You get a global SIM card. It's super expensive, and it's just a big mess. And again, it's it's only because these telecommunication companies want to screw you over and get extra money. And now one of them doesn't. So here we go. It's it's incredible. And fifty bucks a month, you know, no contracts, all that with T-Mobile. And now all we have to do to write an article, Aton, is just put the header in, right? Like how to use your cell phone abroad, and then put T-Mobile with a link, you know. So <laughs> it makes our job easier. And um, I use it, and I I definitely recommend it for anyone listening who is thinking about traveling internationally for an extended period of time who needs their cell phone. As you said, free data, slow in some countries, okay in others. Obviously, Western Europe, it's pretty good, but. Cambodia was pretty slow. So T-Mobile, great option. That concludes part one of my interview with Aton from Snarky Nomad. If you like what we talked about here, you're definitely going to want to tune in to part two of this interview, where we discuss in depth what to look for in a backpack and why Aton also loves his Tortuga backpack, why you should consider using your phone as your primary camera when traveling, Aton's idea for the perfect travel shoe, which is a great business idea for anyone industrious enough to go out and do it because Aton says he will not do it himself, but it's a fantastic idea. And also the story about how he found himself all alone at the Tower of Pisa. So you can find part two on iTunes. You can get it on Stitcher. Of course, you can also get it at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can also find the show notes for any of our episodes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods and all 160 plus episodes that we've recorded. So if you're jonesing for more EPOP travel podcasts, you want to get some right now, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. All of them will be listed in chronological order right there for you. I want to give a shout out to our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. Thank you for sponsoring this episode. Remember, you can go to tortugabackpacks.com. And if you do make a purchase, use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters to get 10% off your order. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you for the support as always. And thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. Until next time, happy free travels. (laughs) 